We've been talking a lot about Thailand lately. Many of you are aware that we went to uh, we went to Thailand last year to work with some of our missionaries, and we're going back this year. And I continue to challenge you: if, if God has not put on your heart yet to go, we're praying for fifteen to twenty people that are going to go with us, and, and that means there's some more of you out there that God's going to stir on your heart to go with us. And so I challenge you to think about, to pray about, if God wants you to go. But as we prepare to go to Thailand, one of the things that we do to prepare the team is that we talk about some of the cultural differences between Thailand and the United States. And basically the idea is this. We don't want to go into another culture and be trying to communicate the good news about God, about Jesus Christ and His salvation, and we don't want to miscommunicate. We want to make sure that what we're intending to say from the Lord and from His Word is translating is being communicated into their language in a way that they can understand. And so we try to be very careful that there's not anything that might get in the way of that. For instance, you may have heard us share about this, but in Thailand, they highly respect their king. And so it would be very wrong for anyone to say anything derogatory about their king or about their government. So we have to be very careful about that. In Thailand, I'm not sure why, and our missionaries have even said so far, they haven't figured out why, but it, it is very, very wrong to show the bottom of your feet. I mean, it's almost to the point, the way they've described, I can't understand that, but it's very, uh, I don't know if it'd be insulting or almost vulgar. It's just wrong to show someone the bottom of your feet. It's shocking to them. If you were sitting down talking with them and you were showing someone the bottom of your feet. So it was kind of funny when we arrived last year, Jeff and Jesse Gordon, they were doing, we were doing some sightseeing on the first day that we were there, and, and they were showing us around. And, and you could tell they didn't want to hurt our feelings, and they didn't want to insult us or, or kind of be mean about it. But they just very sweetly told us, hey, you guys, try not to be so American when we're out and about. <laughs> and, and I think what they meant was, try not to be so loud. Try not to be so assertive, because Americans sometimes can be very forward or, or aggressive, at least in comparison with some other cultures, definitely in comparison with Thailand. That's not the way the Thai people are not that upfront as maybe sometimes we are in the United States. Well, it's for that very reason that we struggle with that, that we might struggle with what we're going to talk about tonight. We live in a country that for all of its greatness that we're certainly celebrating this Memorial Day weekend, sometimes we can struggle with being overly assertive. We can struggle with we-go-first mentalities, can't we? Sometimes that can be helpful. I mean, God has used us uh, many times to provide leadership or to take initiative, to take care of things that maybe need to take care of and maybe others don't, but sometimes... That can go in the wrong direction. And God says, if we're going to show love to one another, we need to watch out for that tendency. So tonight I want to talk to you about the topic of submitting to one another. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it, it, it's kind of actually, let me just start in verse 18 because we're going to come back, back up to that. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, that is excessive living, but, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and 
be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, that actually can be translated, be submissive to one another or submit yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, if you've been a part of church for a little while, probably the primary place that you've heard the word submit related to was the relationship between a husband and a wife. And we are going to refer to that as we look at these verses. But it's unfortunate that that specific application has gotten most, if not all, of the attention. Because I think there's a bigger picture that God wants to teach us all about submission. And that's going to be our focus today. Some people have called it the idea of mutual submission. And so as we've been learning the 11th commandment, God's teaching us the 11th commandment is that we're to love one another just like Christ has loved us, that we're to also love one another. And by that love that we're going to demonstrate to one another, God's going to use us to speak to the world that we are his followers and this is the way God does things. And I believe that's going to attract the world, many people, to come to Jesus. And so we want to learn about that and submitting is one part of that. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is what does it mean to submit? If the Bible tells us that we're to submit to one another, what does that mean? What is God trying to teach us? Well, first of all, and I think it's something that many people don't notice when they think about the idea of submission is, is that submission is an indication that you are filled by the Spirit of God. Let's look at the context of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. In Ephesians 5, verse 18, what did we read just a moment ago? The Bible commands us that we as Christians are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What that means is, is when you receive Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. Okay, that's a done deal. That's a one-time thing. You are baptized by the Spirit of God. Amen? You are a child of God. But the problem is we leak. Amen? <laughs> he comes and lives in our... Now, ultimately, we can never get rid of God. When he comes and lives in our heart, then, we are, then, then Jesus Christ resides in our life. But... We haven't given God control of every aspect of our life. And the Bible tells us it should be our goal that we want to be filled with the Spirit of God. We want every aspect of our life to be controlled by Him. That's the main thought in these verses that we're reading. But as he mentions that, as he commands that, he says, be filled with the Spirit. He gives several statements that support the idea of being filled with God's Spirit. Now, how many of you kids like to diagram sentences? Oh, I just love it, don't you, Jeffrey? I mean, it's just a lot of fun, diagramming sentences. Well, we're going to diagram a sentence here a little bit. I think you guys have it up on the screen. Being filled with the Spirit is indicated, it says in these verses, there's, um, there's some participles here. It says, be filled with the Spirit, verse 19 says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. One of the indicators that you are filled by the Holy Spirit is, is that we say encouraging things to one another about God. Okay, and then it says in verse, uh, in the second part of that verse, it says singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Having a song in your heart is an indicator. Anybody like to whistle? Anybody like to listen to Christian music? Anybody like to fill your heart and your mind with songs that talk about the Lord and His great work in your life? That's an indicator that you love God and that He's working in your life. Then he says, giving thanks. One of the ways that we show that we are filled with God's Spirit. And by the way, when you meet a thankful person, you're meeting somebody who's learned a lot about God. 
always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's one of the ways we can indicate that we're filled with God's Spirit. But verse 21 says, and submitting ourselves to one another or being submissive to one another in the fear of Christ. So being submissive, having an attitude of submission is evidence. If you say, I want to be a spiritual person, I want to be a God-filled person. I want, to, I want God to work mightily in every aspect of my life. One indicator that he's doing that is that you're going to have the attitude that we are talking about tonight. It can also mean, submission means a recognition of my role. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word submission in Greek actually comes from two words that are put together. The word means, it means to place or to order under. That's what the word submission means in Greek. It means to place or to order something under something else. It was actually used in the military. And the idea was this. When we're lining up in order of rank, when we're, when we're lining up in our places, everybody has a place in the military, right? Everybody has a rank. Everybody has a, has a, has a job to fulfill, a responsibility or an assignment. Well, submission means when we're lining up, I'm lining up behind you i'm ordering i'm being ordered in that line behind or under someone else now we don't like to use the term subordinate do we especially as a verb as a verb to subordinate someone sounds derogatory doesn't it as a noun it sounds a little better i don't know would you agree with that to be a subordinate it kind of just sounds like, hey, I've got a boss. You know, I, I realize that I've got a place, I've got a job to fulfill. So, But actually, that idea, that subordinate, the word that we use as a verb, and we, it kind of takes on a derogatory feel, for me at least in English, that's not the idea here. To subordinate someone, to demean them, that's not the idea that God's word is trying to get across here. It's better the idea that we have when we use the, when we use the noun, I'm a subordinate, I am someone who is underneath someone else. It doesn't mean that other person is better than you. It means that they have a different role. They have a different assignment than you do. So when we're lining up in order, my role or my assignment is to line up behind or under that person. Now that's the idea that God's word is talking about when it deals with specific roles that we and others have in life. When we are submitting to someone else, and there's several that are mentioned here, and we'll talk about those uh, here in just a moment. But that's the idea. We need to line up. There needs to be some order. And when I'm lining up, if I'm submitting, I'm lining up under your role. Now, some of the ways that God's Word talks about in these verses are that wives are to submit to their husbands, that children are to submit to their parents, that workers are to submit to their bosses. Some of the others that God's word gives, Hebrews 13, verse 17, those in a church family are to submit to spiritual leadership. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, citizens in a country are to submit to governmental authorities. It does not mean that those who are in authority are privileged. It does not mean that those who are submitting have to do everything that person says. In fact, the whole point of this ordering is, is that God is a God of order, 
And, and we've got to figure out some roles here, right? We need some assignments. We need to know who's going to do what. And God has assigned some orders. The reason I'm submitting to my place in line, the reason I'm going along with my place in line is because I'm trying to honor ultimately who? God. If you look at these roles, specific roles that are given in Ephesians 5, each one of them in some way referred to as you're doing this, you're doing it who? As unto who? As unto the Lord. Okay, so the Bible actually says in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, if some authority in your life says or asks you or tries to require or, or tell you to do something that is dishonoring to God, Acts 5, 29 says what? We must obey God rather than men. Some people have gotten this mixed up. They said, if I submit to authority, that means I have to do whatever that person that I am lining up under, whatever they tell me to do. Is that what the Bible teaches? No, it doesn't. God is giving us an orderly way for life to be lived, and we need to submit to other people who have roles in our lives. And if we don't, if we have a rebellious attitude, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 23, a rebellious attitude is very serious to the Lord. So the word submit does pertain to certain roles that God has given us in life. There are ways that God expects us to relate to one another. But our main focus is that we need to realize that this word also can be taken in a general kind of mindset. To some degree... <clears throat> There are specific roles that God's word outlines. You can know when you are in this place in society or when you have this kind of relationship, this is how you're to relate to one another. But God's word also teaches that in general, we as Christians are to relate to one another with an attitude of submission. So what does that mean? Submission means I'm willing to yield to others. That's the word that I use. When I think of submission, I think of the word yield. How about this? Give the right of way. Does that help you? Okay. Hey, I come up to, I come, not a stop sign, I come up to a yield sign. Hey, both of us, one of us has to go. What am I going to do? I'm going to yield. I'm going to let you go first. We might say, after you. Oh, no, no. After you. That is submitting to one another. That's showing an attitude of submission. Now, taking that even further, and really our primary focus for today, submission is I choose to focus on the good of others instead of asserting myself. And I think all of that is important because clearly the indicator we get from God's word is, is that submission is a voluntary choice that God calls us to make. We, we make a choice that I'm going to focus on what's good for others instead of asserting my rights or what I want or what I need. And it's heavily related to the ideas of humility and servanthood. In fact, 1 Peter 5, verse 5 says, it's talking to some people in the church in different relationships. It says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. But then he kind of gets more general. He says, and all of you, in that context, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. So this whole idea of submission is an idea of humility. It's an idea of servanthood. It's an idea of I'm thinking about you more than I'm thinking about myself. So the point of those last two things is that the more I grow in Christ, I should find myself, are you listening? The more I grow in the Lord, I should find myself desiring to yield, to give the right of way, to choose more and more to think of others and their benefit more than I think of myself and my benefit. To bow out, and I wanted to go, but now I'm going to let you go first. If we're going to love one another, like Jesus says to love one another, this is going to be part of the mix. So what does submission mean? It means those things that we just talked about. Secondly, though, what does God, why does God call us to do that? Why would God ask us to have that attitude of, no, you go, or no, I'm going to step aside and, and, and you go first. I'm going to yield to you. Somebody said, our world is receptive to terms like self-assertion or self-actualization. You ever go to the bookstore? Self is probably the most popular word at the bookstore, isn't it? Self-esteem, self-assertion, self-actualization. But they said we cower from terms like submission and self-denial because we tend to be self-seeking and self-serving. Yet Paul's words, like those of Jesus in Mark 8, verses 34 through 35, affirm that self-fulfillment actually... Now listen, friends. Some of you are trying to find out what is life really all about. And some of what I'm sharing tonight, you're going to think to yourself, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that, that cannot work. I do not believe that. That sounds totally bogus. That cannot be the way to find true life. But the Bible actually affirms that self-fulfillment comes through giving ourselves in service to others. Now, you may say tonight, I don't believe that, but you're going to have to argue with God about it. Amen. <laughs> I mean, that's what the Bible teaches. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, Jesus called the crowd along with his disciples, and this is what Jesus Christ said. And you just picture Jesus speaking and teaching tonight. You're hungry. Who is God? I want to know you, Lord. Teach me who you are. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Friends, there is a secret here tonight that giving my life in sacrificial service to others is it's counterintuitive, isn't it? I have needs. I have things that I need to happen in my life. It seems like I need to focus on me for those things to happen. But the Bible says that is not the way to having your needs met. The way to having my needs met is to turn my life over to Jesus Christ and live it in sacrificial service to others. And by the way, if you think this idea is so crazy, why don't you interview some of the people that buy so many of those self-help books and find out how, how it's working for them? Amen? <laughs> Maybe just one more book. Maybe just one more CD or MP3 will help me out. 
Specifically, though, in this passage, why does the Bible say that we should yield to one another? Why, why should I step aside so you can go first? Well, it says in this passage that I should do that in the fear of Christ. It says submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. What does that mean? Well, let me talk about what it doesn't mean. The Bible says in 1 John 4 that perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. Okay, The Bible, people ask me these questions all the time, so I want to make it very clear. If you are a child of God, people say, is God mad at me? Is God punishing me? Is God trying to hurt me? Is God upset with me? The Bible does teach that God will discipline his children. Okay, But that's not because he's trying to punish us. That's not because he's trying to hurt us. He's trying to bring us back into a place of blessing. Does that make sense? So sometimes God will allow things in your life or things will happen in your life that God has directed because he's trying to bring you back into that place of blessing. But God is not against us. We talked about that last week. God is for us. Do you understand that? So does fearing God mean that I'm, I'm supposed to be afraid that God's going to get me if I don't do this? If I, if I don't start yielding to other people, then God's going to be mad at me. He's going to do something to me. Does that sound like God? From what you know about God and his nature and what we learn from his word, that doesn't sound like God's going God's to kick me out of his family. Many people are worried about that. I'm going to lose my salvation. Some churches teach that. Should we fear God? Because you better be careful because, you know, he's the one who decides and he might just decide, I don't want you to be on my club anymore. Is that the way God is? That is not the way God is. When you're born into a family, can you be born out of it? <laughs> like it or not, you're in the family, amen? <laughs> Those are your kids, that's your mom, that's your dad. That's not what fear means. I'm not afraid that God's going to hurt me or God's going to do something to make my life terrible or that God's going to kick me out of his family. Some have said this idea of fear means it's reverence, it's respect. The reason that I would obey God's instructions to submit to other people is because I fear him. I respect him. I revere him. I think that's partially true, but I don't know if it's strong enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, it stops short of I've got to fear that God's going to hurt me or God's going to kick me out. That's not what I mean. But hey, have you ever sensed have you ever been in church or have you ever been in your time of the Lord or maybe late at night you were praying to God? Have you ever just sensed more real than you ever had before that you were in the presence of God? You ever had that happen to you before? You just more than any, I mean, you know what? I haven't had that happen a lot in my life. Just a few times in my life, I just had a sense that I was in the presence of the Lord as closely as I ever have been. I want to tell you what. I'm not saying much then. Are you? I mean, I'm more like on my face, on my knees. I'm done. Like Isaiah and Isaiah 6. Man, I, 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 am, I am a messed up person in the middle of a messed up group of people. Amen? Okay, that's what I think this is talking about. We have a fear of God. We have an awe of Him. Do you understand that? God is mighty. God is holy. God is true and right. And then you put all that together with his grace and his mercy. Here's, here's what I think it boils down to. I begin to realize who God is. He's the God of the universe. Who am I to assert myself 
as number one. You understand? You listening? When I begin to get a picture of who God is, how dare I think that I am everybody's hero? That I am the number one concern on the planet? Amen? He is the Lord. And by the way, He was willing. He's the Lord. He had every right to assert Himself. He was willing to lay down His life in service for everybody else. So what right have I to assert myself and to talk so much about Robbie and what his needs are when the Lord of the universe, who deserved the focus, was willing to lay down his life in service for me and for you? And if I am his follower, if that's the direction he's going, wouldn't it make sense? Many people call themselves followers of Jesus, but let's just get real practical about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, what are you doing? You're following Jesus, right? That's not just a term. That's not just a title. If I'm a follower of Jesus, whatever Jesus is doing, that's what I'm going to be doing. Then let's talk about what this might look like in our lives. How do we live out submission? Besides the roles that we talked about in Ephesians 5, you can read those, Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33, but but in, in in this mutual submission way, in this attitude that christians are supposed to have there's some specific roles that god says here's how that plays out but in general we're all to have this attitude towards one another let's talk about some real life ways that we can live that out first of all in our conversations do you find it difficult when you're having a conversation not to focus on what you want to talk about do you find that challenging okay god's ways are not our ways right If God were in a conversation, he would be letting them go first. He would be thinking, I wonder what they're thinking. He's not wondering, but you know what I mean. He would be thinking, I want to hear their heart. Do you understand? A submissive spirit is, I'm not asserting myself. I'm not thinking about me, number one. I'm wondering about you. I'm yielding. I'm lining up behind you. You go first. And that pertains to our needs. We would submit in our needs. This is especially true in a marriage relationship. So many people are struggling in marriage. Listen, friends, we're trying to figure out what's wrong with my marriage, but we need to realize that God doesn't do things the way we do. We think in order for my needs to be met, I must assert myself. I must demand that my needs be met. God's way is more like this. God says, I know you have needs. I will find a way to meet your needs. Why don't you focus more on giving than worrying about receiving? A submissive spirit is, I'm thinking more about what do you need? Listen, and we draw lines in marriage. We have struggles with each other. It does not make sense. I would just say this. Are you tired? Have you given up? Do you not know what to do next? And what's it going to hurt to try God's way? Amen? I mean, just try it. See what God could do. In wants. To submit to one another. It can be as simple as this. When somebody says, where do you want to go tonight? Are you the one who always has an idea? You already know where you want to go. And you say, I think we ought to go here. 
And then other people might bring up other ideas. Oh, no, that's no good because this. Or, oh, no, no. No, I think we ought to go here. That's not submissive, is it? That's not yielding to other people. That's asserting myself. Do you set your mind on what needs to be done and you've already decided or do you allow other people to give input and to have influence in making those decisions and what they want, what their dreams are, what their goals are, what they would like to do? So those are some ideas. What is submission law? I do want to say a few things about what it doesn't look like because some people get this idea. Okay, if you're going to be submissive, if you're going to be a Christian, you're just a doormat. You just let people walk. You just, you know, okay, whatever you want to do, I don't care. Is that what being a Christian is about? Okay, whatever you want to do, you know, I'm just a doormat. Just a, God says I got to let you go first. Submitting to other people doesn't mean that you can't ever be a leader. It doesn't mean that. Hey, listen, somebody needs to be the leader, right? <laughs> In every situation, you're probably going to find somebody, there needs to be some leadership. In fact, when I was talking about Americans earlier, to our credit, many times we take the lead because we see that somebody needs to and no one is, so we say, we'll do it. And I think that's a good thing. And unfortunately, sometimes when we do that, other people point their finger and say, you're trying to take over. And we say, no, we were just trying to do something because nobody was doing anything. It's okay to step up. It's okay to lead the way. Listen, not in asserting yourself. It's okay to lead the way in serving. It's okay to lead the way in helping other people. We just need to check ourselves and make sure, first of all, that it's not for our own purposes, for our own self-interest, and secondly, that it's our role to do that. Sometimes it's not my place to lead, is it? I haven't been given that assignment. I haven't been asked to do that. I need to make sure that I'm not being, have you ever heard the phrase? I'm not getting out of line. Sounds like it kind of comes from this idea, doesn't it? I need to make sure I'm lining up in my rightful place. Has God called me to be a leader? If he has, I need to lead. But I would still have a servant attitude if I have a submissive spirit. It doesn't mean that we should give up easily. The submissiveness thing, we just give in all the time? No, that's not what he's talking about. We talked about 2 Peter chapter 1. Many passages, Galatians chapter 5, tell us that perseverance is a distinguishing characteristic of God's people. God's people do not give up. Amen? We keep pressing on through adversity. But that stops short of hard-headedness or stubbornness or selfishness. So it doesn't mean we should give up easily. We just need to check ourselves and make sure we're not being hard-headed or stubborn or selfish. Submissiveness does not mean we should have no drive or ambition. The Bible clearly calls us to do our best. But what is my motivation to do my best? Why should I want to do my best? To honor the Lord, right? So I seek to do my best for the Lord without disregarding you and without running over you. What about competition? What about sports? What about a, 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 a work goals at work? A lot of kids right now are playing baseball. Is it okay for me to strike out that little kid? Is it okay? I mean, I feel bad for the little guy. Is it okay? 
Or should I just serve it up there and let him get a home run? Well, remember, in all things, when I'm not sure, love is the rule. So, I don't want to crush anybody, right? Ultimately, I don't want to crush anyone. But where there are reasonable, agreed-upon guidelines in a competition, and we've both agreed to play by those, I'd have this attitude. Step up to the plate, buddy. I love you. I'm not going to rub this in your face, but I dare you to hit my fastball. (laughs) You can have a submissive spirit and compete, can't you? You can have kindness towards others. You can show service. You can show love and still strive to do your best. There's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. What's the point? God's calling us to think of one another more than we think of ourselves. I don't know about you, but I mean, like, if I was going to rate, like, my number one problem, I'm selfish. It gets me in lots of trouble. Amen, anybody else? And I believe what God is striking at tonight is the core of that. It is one of the biggest challenges we face. I constantly say, God, help me to be dead to self and alive to Christ. And you want to continue the baseball analogy. I'm batting like oh, oh, one, oh, or something. But God, tonight my heart is, I want to learn how to think of others more than myself. Would you just leave here tonight and say, God, I want to grow in this. Being selfish comes naturally for me. It's easy. If I don't think, if I don't plan, if I'm not being intentional, I'll just think of me. Tonight, when you go home, are you hungry? Maybe would you just think, instead of running to the refrigerator, opening up and saying, I've got to feed me. Would you ask someone else what they would like to have? Isn't that what we're talking about? I really wanted that piece of pie. (laughs) But this Memorial Day is going to be a lot of food. But I want you to have it. And by the way, don't do that little Chris, do the right Christian thing and make me feel bad about it, okay? I want you to have it because I'm more spiritual than you. I'm going to say thanks and start eating. <laughs> so, doesn't work too hot, does it? <laughs> and sometimes as Christians, we try to do the actions, but our heart is far from it. But really in your heart, would you ask the Lord, God help me to start thinking of others. You're going to start looking a lot more like Jesus.